I don't want you to come to church just to listen to what I've prepared. Like I always say, there is so much more to what I'm just saying here. You should definitely go back and, and go and read and study and pick up the word and, and just, you know, like the word wormwood. Go and find out what does it mean. And what is the spiritual significance of that on your life? How will it affect your life? Remember the word of God is written. It's written for you. It's a love letter from God to you. It is a love letter. It is God's mind in book form. I was thinking about it just in this week. How wonderful it is that the God that we serve, that He approached us and He gave us a book. He gave us a book. He could have done anything. He's God. He's Almighty. He could have just downloaded all of His knowledge into your brain. Do you understand what I'm saying? He could have gone, look, it's going to be a, a, a full download, zoop, and you know everything in the world. What would that have made us? Boastful and prideful with our sinful nature? Of course it will. We would have walked around and say, you know, I'm better than you. Look, who, who do you think you are? He could have every single day had revelations. He could every single day had an angel come and minister to you. Just, just imagine that. I, I'm easily replaceable by an angel. Just imagine you walk in here and years, we wait, we all sit and wait. And, and believe me, there's churches who do this, what I'm telling you now. They wait on the angel to arrive. And, and we could have sat down here and waited. Here comes this halo, and out of the halo comes the angel. And, and there's all of this holiness. He could have done that, can he? Come on, be, be with me, can he? He could do that. I, I know the Bible says there's angels all around. Even while we're sitting in this room, there's angels here which you can't see. I absolutely believe that. They're not like some people say, lying under a tree in heaven and because you don't pray, they, they're not active. No. They are God's messengers, workers. He could have had an angel appear now here and the angels start preaching the word of God. But that's not how He chooses it to happen. No, He chooses a different way. Prophecy, he could have had prophecy. We could have been still in the Old Testament and prophets speak to us. But he put it all in a book called the Bible. And it is fascinating to me that even if angels start appearing here the first week, everybody will be in church. Nobody will skip church, believe you me. 
If there's an angel here, let me tell you this. If we advertise that there's an angel that appeared in our church, man, next Sunday, we won't have place here. They'll go into the fallout room next door. We'll have the screens on. They'll stand outside. Everybody will wait for the angel. The angel appears again. And I'll tell you, the next Sunday, we will have to go to a stadium. And the next Sunday, we will have CNN, BBC, every single person around here. But I'll I'll tell you this. After a couple of months, they'll get bored to that. We want more. That is human, man. That is human. That is who we are. But yet God chose, God chose to put His message to you and me in a book. In a book called the Bible, the Holy Scriptures. It's not the Quran. It's the Holy Scriptures, the Word of God. Go with me just to Hebrews. I'll show you this. Hebrews chapter 1. I, I was thinking this week about this. I thought, Lord, how wonderful that our God that we serve is different from the other gods, though there are no other gods. Let me be clear about that. But if the world says there's other gods and they serve other gods, let them serve those gods. There ain't no God like our God. No one. On His level, there ain't anybody. He's God and God alone. And he chooses the following way to speak to us. Look at Hebrews chapter 1 verse 1. God at various times in various ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets. In the Old Testament you had your prophets. God spoke to the prophets. We've got a lot of the prophets written up in this Bible. You go to Amos, Malachi, Isaiah, Jeremiah, you name them, Ezekiel. God spoke through the prophets. And these men, when they came, they delivered the message from God, and guess what the people did to them? They killed them. Do you think a people want to listen to a God? No. They killed them. They killed the prophets of God. If you're a messenger of God today, proclaiming His word in your family, in your workplace, in the world, they will persecute you. They don't want to hear this. They did the same with the prophets, not because of you. It's not because they don't like you, friend. They persecuted them, they killed them. And then he continues on, that was in the past. Then he says in verse 2, Has in these last days spoken to us by his son. What did they do with his son? They killed him. Why? Again, they don't want to hear about God. This is our sinful nature. They killed him. He said to his disciples one day, you, you're going to be persecuted just as I am persecuted. You are my disciples. They persecute the master. They persecute the disciples. So you are ridiculed in your family. You are ridiculed by your children, or by your parents, or by your brothers and your sisters, or by your nephews and your cousins and your nieces. You are ridiculed by them. Why? It's not because of you. It's because of the message that you carry. It happened to all of them. Who do you think you are, that you are better than Christ? Are you better than Christ? Can the person, can the brother or the sister please this morning who think they are better than Christ quickly stand up? I'm glad you kept your seat because you are not. 
So if you do want to stand up, you better do and drink of the cup of wrath which he took on you on my behalf. Look, I don't want to stand up and say I'm better than Christ. He took the cup of wrath on my behalf. And it's so wonderful. He says in these last days, he's spoken to us by his son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. So he spoke to us through his son. So you might now say, but wait a minute, his son is not here. Where is his son? Where is Jesus? Where is he? He's gone. He's died. They, you yourself said they laid him in a tomb. You yourself said that when he arose from the grave, he went up into heaven. We can't see him anymore. You see, but that's where Peter comes and he says, though you see him not, you what? You love him. But how does he speak today? How does he speak today? Through his word. I know I'm on the rabbit trail here, but I think it's important that I lay this foundation before we get into the Word. Through His Word. Go with me to uh, John chapter 1. John chapter 1, verse 1. And you know, it's fascinating how that uh, chapter starts. How does it start? Can any, anybody shout it out? How? In the beginning. Thank you, my brother. In the beginning was what? The Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. The Jehovah Witness wants you to believe this morning He was a God. That is a lie out of the pit of hell. He was God. And guess what? He is still God. The word there for word is Logos. You know what Logos is? It is the written word. It's what you've got in your hands. The written word. That is Jesus Christ Himself. He came down. Now, remember what we said in Hebrews? In, in times past, He spoke through the prophets. But now, in the last days, spoke through His Son, Jesus Christ. Now we read in John chapter 1, verse 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And in verse 14, it says, He came and He became flesh. He lived amongst us. He taught. He sat with disciples. They, they heard Him. They were so close to Him that they could smell His breath. They could feel Him. They could rub shoulders with Him. This is what John tells us in, in the letters of John. But then, one day He came to His disciples. And what did He say? He said, I'm going to go away. I'm going to go to heaven, to another place. He says these words to them. He says, but it is profitable for you that I go. And then he says this, in, in, let's go there. John chapter 14. Turn over with me. I know your page is going there. I don't want you to take my word. Let's follow it. Uh, John chapter 14 verse 16. He walks one day with his disciples and he turns around to them and he says these words to them. He says, and I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever, forever. He says, it's profitable for you that I go, but when I go, the Holy Spirit will come. Who believes in the Trinity in this place? I believe absolutely in the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So God the Father in times past spoke through the prophets, anointed by the Holy Spirit who was already on the earth, but not poured out like in the day of Pentecost. And then, and then what happened? Jesus Christ appeared, the final prophet, the last prophet. 
And what did he bring? He brought the word. Look, if you read John chapter 17, you see the prayer of him to the Father. He prayed for three things in John 17. He prays for himself, for the disciples, and for you and for me. For you and for me. And then in John 17, 17, it's so wonderful. He says, Father, I pray that you sanctify them. You know what the word sanctify means, my friend? It means separate them. By what? Do we now go and live on an island and call ourselves God's own? Do we lock ourselves in a gated community and now say we're Christians? No, no, that's not how we sanctify. No, no, he says we are in the world but not of the world. How do you sanctify a people for God in a world? You do it by this. In John 17, 17, sanctify them by your word. Now let me encapsulate you what I'm saying. It is Jesus Christ is the word. He comes and lives in your heart. That's where it starts. And now, listen, and now, the Word of God by the action of the Holy Spirit now grows you into the image of His Son. Now you become every day more and more like His Son. Hallelujah! Isn't it wonderful? This is the Christian life. This is the, and, and you thought the Christian life was boring. Oh, I've got to go to, to Sunday or to church. Oh, I can't have this fun. Look at those people having... No, no, no. This is the joy and spirit Speakable and full of glory. The Word of God. You know what? When you walk to those men on the road of Imagius, I don't know if we're going to get to the study this morning, but let me just go, Brother John. Can I? Can I? I'm just going to do it. Or when they were walking on that road of Imagius, and he spoke to them, and they say, Do you, these things that happen, he says, Why are you so sad? Why are you so sad? You know what I see these days, brothers and sisters? I see people, I see children of God, I see Christians walking sad. It's as if they've lost something. But it's all there. They just can't see it. And, and he spoke to them and he started opening up from, the Bible says, from the Scriptures, from the Old Testament right through. And when he went, you, you know what they said? You know what they said when he went away? They said when he was speaking, oh, this peace and this joy. It's not the warmth that the Mormons say you're getting. No, no, this is different. It's the Holy Spirit anctioning the Word of God in their hearts. Whew! That is what we live for. That is the Christian life. Where did I start? I started with this book. That a, that a mighty God who can wipe out this earth like this in the next five seconds. Look, let me tell you what I believe of the God that we serve. Everything we've studied so far in the book of Revelation, every single thing, He can make it happen in five minutes. Have you got time to run? Forget it. Forget it. You will go nowhere. He can make everything happen in five minutes if He loses His patience. But this is the amazing thing. We serve a patient God. Oh, much better than us. <laughs> Hallelujah. Much better than me. I'm so impatient. Oh, I can get so quickly impatient. I thank God that He didn't follow my profile. I thank God that we have to follow Him. Because, friends, if He had to follow your profile and my profile, there have been a lot of people more in, in the graves. Kill them, Lord, you know. Bring fire down from heaven and zap them. Zap, zap, zap. You know what happens tomorrow? You're all alone because you zapped everybody. Friend, the God that we serve 
He's a mighty God, but He's also a just God. And He's a loving God. And that's the God that I want to bring to you. He, and this is, I want to still get to the point that I thought about this week. You know, I was sitting there and I was flying back from, from Sydney. And, and, and it was one of the most beautiful, I see many beautiful uh, clouds. But we, the, the flight was delayed and, and impatient me was sitting there again looking at my watch. But when we got up into the sky, and then again, let, let me just take you on this trip, okay? I always take an aisle seat. If you haven't noticed, I've got broad shoulders. And sitting in the middle is difficult. So I had to take a middle seat, impatient me. And then the flight was delayed, and then when we took off eventually, the most beautiful clouds, I had to lean over over the guy, and I saw that. And how beautiful is this earth that God put together? And it's on that flight that I sat there, and it just came back to me as I opened up my iPad and I started going reading through the scriptures for today and meditating on it. That it just struck me that this God, this mighty God, who could in any single way that He can, can bring His message of love over to us, did it in, through His Son, Jesus Christ, but to us today through His Word. But this is the thing. Do you think people want to read this word? You see, you got me really excited this morning, brother, when you went and you did that study and you spoke about Wormwood. So, in the Old Testament, they took the prophets and they killed the prophets. So they took Jesus Christ and they killed Jesus Christ. And now He left us what? The Holy Spirit. Do you think people want the Holy Spirit? If they could, they would want to kill the Holy Spirit. But you know, they can't kill Him, but the Bible says they can resist Him. So now they resist the Holy Spirit, and the only thing, it is like cut off your nose to spite yourself, because you know what you do when you resist the Holy Spirit? You get a hardened heart. But now what they do, they want to kill the Word. The Word of God. We will not let it allow, will we? No, no, we will preach the word of God. I will preach the word of God until the last breath comes out of my lungs. Preach the word of God. Somebody said to me once, you go on so about the word of God, it sounds as if you're more in love of the word of God than God himself. I said, how can you separate the two? How can you separate the two? You cannot. I love God because you know what? Through the Word, this is His mind. Everything about God is in this book. He, he writes it to us. Now, I need to sit down with my bum on a seat and start reading it. You know what's going to happen? The Holy Spirit is going to start inspiring me. And I'm going to read it. And He's going to open up the secret things of God, the deus of scanditos, the things which has been veiled from us. And every time He reveals it to us, you know what I'm going, I say, Lord, how privileged am I to see what other people can't see. It is a privilege. It is a privilege. So friends, in Revelation chapter 9, now we see two armies, which is describes to us. And I'm thinking about this again during this week. I'm thinking, this is not good news which we see here. And it's difficult. I'm going to be honest to you. It's difficult preaching through these passages. Because all I'm telling you for the last few weeks is death and destruction. And catastrophe upon catastrophe. 
And here we sit and, and somebody can truly say, I come to church to be lifted up and, and to be encouraged. How can this be encouraging? And I'm thinking of families. You know, uh, Sergei, they're sitting with young families. And, and, and Philip, you've got a new, nice, beautiful young family. And I'm thinking of Nolan Priscilla during the week who's got a beautiful born, a beautiful baby girl. And I'm thinking, you might be sitting there and thinking, what is the future for my family? Yes. I'm sitting with, with young adult children who's now starting their lives, who's got wives, who's going to have children. They're looking for a future. And, and you've got to ask yourself, how, how do we as Christians, how we as children of God read these passages and stay, stay excited about it, about destruction coming? And I haven't got an answer for that. Bar this one. But this only one that I can have, that I prayed and meditated about, sitting on that plane, coming home, going in, and, and in the times that I have opportunity, pray and talk to God about it. The only encouragement I can give families and you and me is Jesus Christ. You see, the world call it an escape. They say, you are preaching a cheap escape from the pulpit. You're giving false hope and security to people. You should prepare them. You, and I say, for what? How do I prepare a church? Do I prepare you military? Do I teach you fighting skills? You know, to survive? Camouflage skills? What, what, how do I, as a minister of the Word of God, who knows about these things coming, who preach week after week, how do I prepare you, the young families around here, Yes, I was in the Defense Force and I can tell you everything about a rifle and I, and I can tell you about urban warfare. And, but that's not how we're going to survive as a church. No, no, no. Friend, I'm preaching the Word of God and I preach the God that I trust and that I believe with my whole heart will not let us go through these things. He will not. And look if I'm wrong. And these things happen, and I am standing here. You are by far welcome to come and ridicule me. But I put my faith and my trust in a God who I believe with every single thing in my life. There's two armies in Revelation chapter 9, which is preparing for this world to come and destroy this world. And let me say one thing before I delve into this. Let me say this, friend, that these armies... It's not as if they are in control. They think they are. But overall, God is the supreme God. He's the sovereign God. Two armies that we're going to see about in Revelation. The army from the pit, and then the army from the east. But before we go into that, let me remind you of the warning that we end on last week. In Revelation 8, chapter 1, we saw that... that um, Revelation chapter 8 verse 1, we saw these words, he says, And I looked and I heard the angel flying through the midst of the heaven, saying with a loud voice, Woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth, because the remaining blast of the trumpet of the three angels who are about to sound. Three, four trumpets have sound already. And already this catastrophe on the earth, a fourth of the population has already died at this point. Do you know how many people that is? Have you worked it out? How many people is in the world today? How many billion? Six, seven, I hear different, but I, the, the late, I understand it's closer to eight billion now. 
It just depends on which resource you are using. But let's put it on the smallest. Let's say 6 billion, which I think is more, but have you worked out a quarter of 6 billion? 1.5 billion people at this point in time is dead. Wiped out. Call of, talk about a wipeout. Now, granted, I didn't take in the numbers of the, of the church, which is out. But let's work on 6 billion then, if we don't put the church in, which is out. That's a massive... Can, can you imagine the newspapers, what they will write, if there is going to be newspapers? The Twitter fear and the social media. I mean, we've had the bombs in, in, in uh, Manchester, which is terrible. But even that to me becomes mundane now. Have I shocked you when I said that? My friends, it's already moved on. Tomorrow there's already new news. There's, there's going to be a similar attack. Listen to my words today. There's going to be a similar attack in the next, I don't know. And you know what's going to happen? It's going to be terrible, then we're going to move on again. It's mundane now. But this is going to be something which will make the world stop. You talk about stop. Remember how we said that peace will be taken from the earth and all of these things. In the midst of all of those chaos, we get these catastrophes hitting the earth and a quarter of the, of the population is dead. Where are they going to bury those bodies? Have you thought about all of those things? And here comes this angel, which if you look at it, they say it's more, the, the word is more like a... a a bird flying, an um, eagle flying through the air. And this eagle is shouting out, whoa, whoa, whoa. If, if you go to the root words there, the word angel is closer to the, for that what they use there. And it shouts out these woes to the earth, to the inhabitants of the earth. Those are the people who are staying behind. Twelve times in Revelation, we read about this phrase, the inhabitants of the earth. And every time I read about, in those 12 times, I read about the inhabitants of the earth, there's a judgment coming to them. The inhabitants of the earth. Every single time. Now, if you think it is the people who's going to stay behind after the rapture takes place, yes, it is. But it is also pointing towards people who live for the world. Who are not only in the world, but they are living for the world. Do you understand the distinction that I'm giving you? You know, it's Paul that says, you know, we're in the world, but not of the world. Or is it John that says that? Now, I'm saying the other way around. These people, the inhabitants of the world, they are in the world, but they are living for the world. And we're seeing it around us. This is what the world is telling us. Come on, be the best you can be. Be the best you can be. Make the best of your life now. And it's all about finances and it's all about status and all of these things. And it grabs our young people, it grabs our old people, it grabs our children. And you know the message they are giving out. We are in the world and we are living for the world. These are the inhabitants that are talking about. Go with me to Philippians chapter 3. And we'll read about, we'll identify these people in the world a little bit better. You see, we, we're using the Word of God. Isn't it wonderful? Philippians chapter 3, verse 18. Now listen to this. He says, For many walk. How many? Many. How many is many? 
Many. <laughs> For many walk, of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping. Weeping. I get it when Paul writes this down. He looks at this world and he's weeping for these people. He says, many are walking and I'm weeping. He's not just crying. He's not just freaking off a tear under his eye or getting teary. He's weeping. Have you saw somebody weeping? Are you weeping for the world? Are you weeping? He says, even now weeping that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ. Who is these enemies of the cross of Christ? Who is the inhabitants of the world? Let me clarify through the word of God, he says in verse 19, whose end is destruction. We are reading about their destruction now. Whose God is their belly, and whose glory is their shame. Who set their mind on what? On earthly things. You see? It's not only a people who's left behind, but these people are in the world and they're living for the world. And it's not me saying it, don't get cross at me, I'm just a messenger here. It's the Word of God. It's God saying it to you today through His Word. He sets their mind on earthly things. Now listen to this. For our... Paul now talks about the church and himself. He says, For our citizenship is in heaven. Who's got passports in this place? I'm a Kiwi. I'm a South African-born Kiwi. I've got a Kiwi passport. If I get my passport in at the customs, they say you're a citizen of New Zealand, although I'm living in Australia. I went to Vietnam. You know what you walk in there? If you walk into Australia, into customs, they say uh, New Zealand, Australian, UK, passage holders, this way. And then they go other countries. You know when you walk into an Asian country, you walk in, they go theirs and they go foreigners. <laughs> friend I'm a foreigner of this world because I've got a heavenly passport I'm more than happy to go to the foreigner line in this world more than happy because one day is a day that I'm going to get into heaven and you know what there ain't a, a sign there saying foreigner you know what it's going to say blessed child of God amen I don't know look that's not a prophecy by the way that's just okay I just want to get it clear <laughs> You know what, they, they don't need to be assigned there because He's going to be there, God in all His glory, hallelujah. And here He goes on to say, He says, Our citizenship is in heaven from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord of Jesus. Are you eagerly waiting for the Savior? Come on, are you? No, no, this is the distinction for you. This is where you can go. If you are in the world, for the world, you will not eagerly wait. Why? Because He's still got to make a life here. But if you're waiting for Him, let the world and its things become strangely dim to you. He says it right there. I love it when he writes it. He says, Who will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed in His glorious body according to the working by which He is able even to subdue all things to Himself. You see, Revelation 13 verse 8 says that uh, they, they worship the beast, these people of the world. They worship the beast. You can go and read it, Revelation 13. And you know what it says there? We're going to get there, verse 8. It says that their names were what? Not in the book of life. So when he talks about these people, he says, Woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the world. He talks about non-Christians. He talks about people who are not born again. I just want to clarify that for you. 
So the church ain't part of that group. That is a distinct group who's going to be on this earth. A quarter of them died and there's terrible things coming because there's two armies that is just waiting and ready to get and to do God's judgment on them. Now one can say, one can say God takes pleasure in this, can't you? Just, just think for it. Let's, let's just think for this. God takes pleasure on this. These people who rejected they killed his prophets. They killed his son. They kill his children. They want to destroy the word. They resist the Holy Spirit. What, look, again, if you look at my impatience, I would say, yeah, you got what came to you, boy. What do they say? An eye for an eye and two for a tooth, yeah? But that's we thinking. And one would say, God, God, you know, he, he, has, he takes pleasure in this. And I, I want to say, no, he doesn't. God doesn't take pleasure in, in, in what I'm preaching to you now. In Ezekiel chapter 33 verse 10, I find these, and remember Ezekiel is another one of those prophets who prophesied about these things to come. And he says it there in this passage, he says, Therefore you, O son of man, say to the house of Israel, thus you say. Now he says, say to them what they say, okay? This is what the house of Israel say. Not God, this is what they say. If our transgression and our sins lie upon us, and we pine away in them, how can we then live? That is an echo of what people are saying today in the world. Listen to their words. They say, if our transgressions and sins, by the way, you find transgressions and sins in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1, those are the two reasons what makes you dead. Go and read it up. He says, For we, you were once dead in what? In your trespasses, transgressions, and sins. You know what a trespass is? There is a line that you are not allowed to cross. Some houses you get to, they say, um, Beware of the dog, and if the dog don't kill you, we'll shoot you. <laughs> but there's a trespass there. Did you know that God has got spiritual laws that you cannot trespass? If you trespass, you're sinning. And then he sees your sin is like the bullseye. It's, it's hitting the mark every day and we can't. He says here, they say to him, they say these things lie upon us. Can you feel the weight of sin upon them? Can you feel it? He says they lie upon us. And we pine away. How can we then live? In other words, Lord, we're in the world. How can we live for the world if we feel so guilty and so heavy out of all of this sin? That's the wrong thing to ask God, isn't it? What should they have asked? Come on. They should have said, Lord, we repent of this trespasses and sins that lies upon your shoulders. Please, Lord, forgive us. Father, take the burden away so that we can live in you. That's the godly message. But these people want to live for the world. They say, we can't live. Now, let's see what he says. Verse 11, he said to them, Alas! As I live, says the Lord God, I have no pleasure, listen to this, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked. It's not as if God is, when, when a wicked person dies, goes, woo, woo, woo. no, there's no pleasure. You know what, this is shame to me when I think sometimes. And I see when evil people die, how children of God rejoice about it. 
This might challenge you. I'm challenging you right now. This might challenge your thought processes right now. I feel as much sorry. This might shock you what I'm going to say. For that person who strapped a bomb around his body and blew up other people as I feel for those other people. And ridicule me as much as you can, friends. But God, do not take pleasure in that young boy taking his own life. What he did is horrible, and I don't condone it. I don't say it's right, but friend, there is a soul which is destined for the lake of fire for eternity. Eternity. It's terrible. I'm just standing here preaching God's word and say to you today that he didn't take pleasure in any of that. Some people say, but why can he allow that to happen? God didn't allow it to happen. They did it. I better get on. He says, no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn, turn from the evil ways. For why should you die, O house of... Oh, I love this verse. You see, they wanted to live. You see the two lives here? They say, how can we live? We've got all of these things upon our shoulders. Oh Lord, it is so hard to live. I want to have my life. I'm still young. I'm going to miss out. They want to live that life. And he says, you know what? I've got no pleasure in you dying. He says, if you turn away from your wicked life, you will have what? Life. There's the gospel. There's the gospel. The gospel of God. He's so wonderful. Let's continue on now. Let's look at the fifth trumpet. Now that you are prepared for those woes and the warnings, he says in chapter 9 verse 1, Then the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star fallen from heaven to earth. To him was given the keys of the bottomless pit, and he opened the bottomless pit, and smoke arose out of the pit like the smoke of a great furnace. So the sun and the air were darkened, and because of the smoke of the pit. There's just two things I want to bring your mind to. He talks about a star fallen. Fallen, you see that? What tense is that? It's a past tense. I want you to understand that this star might not be a physical star. It is a fallen star. It might not be a literal star like the other comments that my brother read this morning, Wormwood and those hitting the earth. It's already fallen. And I reckon this is the second fallen of him. And, and if we want to identify the star, we read in Isaiah chapter 14 verse 12, when he says, How you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, the son of morning. How you are cut down to the ground, you weaken the nations. We know that he, he wanted to be God. He wanted to rise above God. He was an angel. And because of his pride, he was casted down to the earth. He, he fallen to the earth. In the book of Luke, Jesus said, he says, I saw Lucifer fall like a star to the earth. He saw him fall like a star. Now, my suggestion here is, is, is this talks about because it gives him a personality, this star. It says that to him was given the keys. Now, I know when Jesus came out of, out of death, what did he say? He says, I have the keys. Of, but this is delegated authority for a short space of time for a purpose. And the purpose is to open up. You say, how do you say that he might be a second time fallen out of heaven? Because if you open up in the book of Jude, uh, 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 um, Job, if you open up in the book of Job, it says there that even today, who is going up to God and appear before him? And he come and he puts accusations before God. Who is that? It's Lucifer. 
He's still got access to heaven. He's not living there. He's casted down between heaven and earth. He's now roaming and controlling the earth. Because if you read again in Job, he says, God asked him, he says, where do you come from? He says, I came to and fro. He's going all over. And what did he do? He looks out. He goes and he accuses us, you and me, like he did Job before God. He says, have you seen what that Andre had done? Have you seen what he's done? Oh, he walks around and calls himself a child of God and Christ. Have you seen what he's done? He bit the dog's tail. <laughs> if it was only that, but it's more serious. Oh man, I'm going to have the animal welfare against me now. There's something more serious than biting a dog's tail. Come on. <laughs> I might get a fine. We'll erase this from the tape, okay? <laughs> But he goes, he accuses. And you know, you know what's so wonderful about that? I always think about this. When he comes there and he says, that John Shepherd, you know what he did? And he accuses me before God. And God turns to his son next to me and says, do you know him? He says, yes, he's written in the palms of my hand. Praise the Lord, hallelujah. Isn't it wonderful? Oh, yes, man. We are not, look, I don't, I don't preach a, 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 a sinless perfection for, for saints on the earth. I don't preach that. We will be glorified in Him when we die. But while we are here, friends, you and I, man, we make mistakes. We still cross the line. And what do we do? We, we pray to God and say, Lord, please forgive me. Help me next time, isn't it? I, I, I reckon here we see Him now cast down on the earth for this specific task that he needs to do here, and that is to open that up. The bottomless pit here comes from the, the Greek word abusos. Abusos is the abyss, and it is, it is a bottomless pit. It is a bottomless pit. You say, how, where is it on the earth? Because if you look at the earth, it's round. Uh, they, they reckon, and look, these, these are things. I want to say this. I'm preaching things here which we don't have a complete understanding about. We don't. One day we will, but we don't. But what an abyss is, it is a hole. It is a bottomless pit. And what is so fascinating about this pit, turn with me to Luke chapter 8, and I'll show you something, is it's there now in, in a bottomless pit. You remember when Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, He came to Gadarenes, and there was this man, demon-possessed, sitting in the tombs there. And He had, he had a... A lot of demons in him. Uh, he, his name was Legion. If you look at uh, Luke chapter 8 verse 30. Because many demons had entered him. And now, when, when they saw Jesus, listen what they say in verse 28. When, Jesus saw, when he saw Jesus, this man, he cried out and fell down before him. And with a loud voice said, What have I to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, do not torment me. So who was crying this out? The demon was crying it out. So he was afraid that Jesus was going to do what? Torment him. Now, look at this now. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man, for it often seized him and was kept under guard and bound with chains. Then Jesus asked him, what's your name? And he says, he says they're legion. Because there's so many demons that enter this man. And by the way, I do believe that there is demons entering people. And I do believe they need to be cast out because Jesus did that. 
Okay, so here we find this man. And listen now, he says, And they begged him that he would not command them to go into the abyss. The abyss. And then he put them into the pigs and they ran off the, off the hill and the people came out and they, they chased them away because of the pigs. If you want to do a little bit of Bible study, you will find if you go back, if you go back when they entered the land over the Jordan River, two tribes stayed on the east side, on the west side, and, and all of them went into the east side. One of those tribes who stayed there, who didn't go into the promised land, was the Gadarenes. And if we want to look at a legacy of people not going into, oh man, there's so much here. If you look at a legacy of people who don't follow Christ into the promised land and say, look, we'll just sit here on the boundary. When it gets ready, we'll jump over. This is one of those nations. Because this people, what have they got to do with the pig business? Thought about that, Andre. What have they got to do with the pig business? They have the Son of God there, standing right in front of them, but they were more worried about pigs. Descendants out of the, tri- tri- the tribes who stayed behind on the one side. Anyway, I just threw that in there. Open up in Revelation chapter 20. Revelation 20. <clears throat> Look at verse 1. He says, Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, having a key to the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. Man, this is fascinating. I. This. Do you, can you imagine this? A, a chain. A great angel came down. He had a key and a chain. And what is he going to do? He laid hold of the dragon, the serpent of old, who is the devil, Satan, and bound him for a thousand years with a chain. Where? And he cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him and set a seal on him. What is that bottomless pit? It's the abyss. Listen, what I'm trying to say to you, friends, is while we are sitting here today, there is an abyss. And in that abyss, there's an army getting ready to be released upon this earth. Now, let's read about that army as we continue into verse 3. It says, Then out of the smoke locusts came up upon the earth, and to them was given power as the scorpions of the earth have power. They were commanded not to harm the grass of the earth, and any green thing or tree, but only those men who do not have the seal of God on their foreheads. Who were they? The 144,000 Jews, okay? They had a seal on their foreheads. They were not to harm them, but the rest was free go. The rest of people was free go. And they were not given authority to kill them, but to torment them for five months. The torment was like the torment of a scorpion when it strikes a man. In those days when men will seek death and will not find it, they will desire to die and death will flee from them. So they came out and they were locusts. They thought it was a cloud coming out, but it was locusts. Have you seen locusts? I'm a boy from the Western Transvaal in South Africa. And there's a lot of farmers there. And I remember locusts when they came. It's a plague. They eat everything. Everything. I remember as a boy when they came over, I was living in a mining community, so it wasn't so much farming for us, but there were farms all around the mine towns. And they would come and they would go over the towns. And I would remember going outside and they will just sit on the grass. And they will start eating our grass. And you'll go out with a broom and you'll hit and you go on and, and they will all go and it makes a noise. And you will go back and feel so satisfied. As soon as you do and you turn around, what happens? 
And you catch them. Look, again, we were naughty. Some people, okay, I was one of those, <laughs> would take string and put it on their legs and they would jump and jump. Oh, man, it's, it's fun, but it's not. <laughs> yeah, I'm in trouble. Again, we'll delete it from the tape. <laughs> you see these locusts, they came out like locusts, and then it says there that they were told not to harm the earth, but people, but they will have a sting like a scorpion. Everybody here been stung by a scorpion in their lives? It's a terrible feeling, isn't it? They say it is, I haven't been. It is terrible. But these scorpions, they will have that. And they will do it for five months. Why five months? Well, it runs a natural course. The lifespan of a, of, of a locust is five months. So it's just natural. It runs a five-month course for these things to happen. And by the way, I don't know if you've noticed. I didn't mention it because, like I say, there's so many things. It's a, it's a massive download. But all of these plagues are plagues that happened in Egypt. Before the, peop the, the, the nation of God were coming out of Egypt. So here we find a repeat of these punishing, punishing the people and the earth. So, uh, the shape of these locusts in verse 7 was like horses prepared for battle. On their heads, just imagine these creatures they look like, okay? This is, that's why I say, I'm glad that we don't see these things because some people will have nightmares. Your children will have nightmares. On their heads were crowns of something like gold that gives them authority. A crown is an authority. Their faces were like the faces of men. That, that proves that they were intelligent. Okay, so these aren't just locusts we just go, no, they were intelligent. They were giving an instruction to do something. Harm the people. That hair like women... Women's hair. Now, although I've seen some pictures drawn up, women's hair is a sign of beauty. So although it's ugly, there is also a sign of beauty in that. And the teeth were like the teeth, a lion's teeth, which is conquering. So all of these things comes out of this. And they had breastplates like breastplates of iron and sound of the wings like the sound of chariots of many horses running into battle. Their tails like scorpions and where they stings their tails. Their power was to hurt men for five months. Now, there's two thoughts, strains of thoughts here. One thought say that this is a false gospel that's going to be taught on the earth. And in a way they've got a point. In a way they do. I must say if I listen to that... They do, because it talks about intelligence. It talks about, and that is what false teachings do. And it hurts people. It's not there for the edification. But on the other side, it is a physical thing, which I believe it is. It is going to be physical punishment and torment on the people. Somebody said, and, and look, I believe that for some point, that this could be the Apache helicopters of these days, because he couldn't describe that. And this is machines of warfare, but the problem is they are now past Apache helicopters, they are now into jet planes and all these things. So I don't think we should necessarily try to find things today that he tried to describe then. Or drones, yes. Now there's drones, and, it, and the drone is not this description. I would say, friends, this is going to be out of the pit of hell, demon-inspired creatures who's going to come upon this earth and harm people. Because I showed you that right now in the abyss, there is demons held back there. Those demons 
at Gadara didn't want to go to the abyss. They said, no, please send us another place. So there is right now an army gathered there waiting for this moment. Why would you want to go through that? Come on. Now let's continue on. He says in verse 11, And they had a king over them, the angel of the bottomless pit, whose name in Hebrew is Abaddon, but in Greek his name is Apollyon. And woe, one woe is passed, behold, still two woes are coming after these. As if this is not terrible. It's only one woe going coming. Now Apollyon is an interesting name. And when he talks about locusts, again, when I go back to Western Transvaal, and the Bible says in Proverbs 30 verse 27, the locusts have no king, yet they all advance in ranks. And I've seen this physically. <coughs> locusts is interesting. They just advance as if, as if there is somebody telling them what to do. In ranks. They go in ranks. You first get the small ones, then the little bigger ones, and the bigger ones comes afterwards. I've learned these things in my geography. But I've seen it physically as well. And as, it's just ranks. But they don't have a king. It's not as if when you've got a beehive, what do you do? You look for the, the queen bee. And what do you do? Once you take the queen bee and you remove her out of the position, what happens to all of her servants? They follow her. It's gone. Problem solved. With locusts, no way. They, it's not as if you can find a king locust. But these ones have a king. And his name is Abanon which means destruction. Apollyon means destroyer. We find this identification in John 10.10 10, when Jesus says the thief comes not except to steal and to kill and to destroy. Who is that thief? Come on, you tell me. Lucifer. The Bible talks about him as a lion walking around seeing who he can devour and destroy. So here we've got a king of them coming. Now, they're intelligent. They has given an order to damage and to hurt. And, and you know what it says there. Let me go one back. He says uh, um, that they wanted to kill, but death will flee from them. You see this in verse 6. In those they men will seek death, not find it. They will desire to die in death. Can you imagine that? The only thing that I can think of and come up with, and, and look, maybe you know a commentary somewhere, you've got better understanding, is that once they are stung, they are paralyzed. Out of pain and everything, they can't do anything. I, I don't know. It's a terrible state. That's the one army coming out. But if you think the one army is enough, then in verse 13 he says, Then the six angels sounded, and I heard a voice from four horns of the golden altar, which is before God, saying to the six angels who had the trumpet, Release the four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates. So the four angels who had been prepared for the hour and the day and the month and the year were released to kill a third of mankind. Now the number of the army of horsemen was 200 million. I heard the number of them. Here is now an army on the earth which, is, which was held back at the river Euphrates. What makes Euphrates so in, in, in interesting? It's because when you go back to Genesis, when God lays down the, the, the boundaries of His nation, one of the boundaries is Euphrates. The river Euphrates is the literal boundary between the east and the west. It is. And it's that place, that pivotal, critical place where we are sitting here today. There's four angels holding back the armies. 
To do what? To kill a third of mankind. Now, quickly, let's do your math. We said before a fourth were killed. We came down to uh, roughly 1.6 billion. Five. Now, that's out of the way. How many is left? And now it says that a third of them are going to be killed. How many is that? Billions. Billions. That's going to be killed. There is again two views here. One is that this is a demonic army. It's demons who's going to come down because it's only that who can muster up an army of 200 million. And then there's another group who says that it's more a literal army. I, I want to say it's a literal army, army that is being enraged and pushed on by a demon spirit. I combine the two. Uh, China is actually saying that they do have a 200 million army. If you put all those armies together with Russia and everything, they can muster it up. It is a little bit difficult if you want them to move through and kill so many people. Uh, I, I don't know. God knows how this will play out. And then in verse 17, Thus I saw the horses in the vision. Those who sat on them had breastplates of fiery red, hyacinth, blue, sulfur, yellow, and heads of horses were like the heads of lions. You see, people say, that is the signs of China. Those colors there. I, I don't read that in there, but that's what people say. But that's what the colors are. And out of their mouths came fire, smoke, and brimstone. By these plagues, these three plagues, a third of mankind was killed by the fire and the smoke and the brimstone which came out of their mouths. For their power is in their mouth and their tails. Their tails are like the serpents having heads, and with them do harm. This is a terrible, terrible people-killing machine. And it's only built to kill people. That's the purpose. The sole purpose for this is, is to kill people. To wipe them off. Now again, back in the day when I did first studies about that, that looks to me like a, like a cannon, a panzer cannon, which shoots out of the front. It shoots out of the front and it's like fire and brimstone. You say, but what about the tail? When you look at urban warfare, the, the tanks go in first and, and the soldiers are behind and they kill as much as the, in front they kill. It could be that I'm not saying today it is a tank. But there are all these signs which, which comes closer to what the Bible describes. All I want you to understand today, friends, it is two fierce armies with one purpose. One to torment, the other to kill. And then we finish off with these verses. And this is terrible. For me today, this is the most terrible verses of our study. But the rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues. What did they do? One would think they fall on their faces and repent. One would think they come and say, wow, we've learned a lesson here. We are so lucky, lucky, lucky to be alive. No. You think you're lucky to be alive, but it's still part of God's plan. You see, these mankind did not repent of the works of their hands. The whole Bible is a Bible, it's a love letter of God, but it's also a book that points you and me to repentance, to restore our relationship with our Lord. They did not repent of their hands that they should not worship demons and idols of gold and silver, brass, stone and wood, which can neither see nor hear nor walk. And they did not repent of their murders, nor their sorceries, nor their sexual immorality and their thefts. Those are the things, my dear friend, which is happening today. Today. 
all of those. People are conducting into these things, worshipping of demons. I'll shock you again today, but there's some churches, not all, some churches today are starting to worship demons. Demons. They call them children of God, they call them Christians, but they are worshipping. I've got a message for them. I've got a message which is not a good message. If you continue with worshipping your demons, this is what's waiting for you. There is two armies awaiting for you and your flock that's going to torment you and is going to kill you. It's terrible to think that they still worship the idols of gold, silver, brass and they do not repent of their murders. I've got a message today for people who continue to go on with abortion. I feel terribly sorry for those little babies, but I've got this good news, that the Bible teaches me that those children, whether they are born or not, will be in heaven. So their case is clear. But for you who murder these children, there's two armies waiting there. And if you are lucky, lucky enough to live through, you are going to face these two armies if you don't die before the time. Murders, their sorceries, and their sexual immorality. Sexual immorality is the rivest it's been today than all of the centuries of this world. I've heard it over the, the radio the other day. They say that it's now as young as eight years old. Children, boys and girls who watch pornography. Eight years old. These people bringing in safe sex into our schools. I've got a message for you today. I'll tell you one thing. If you're going to outlive this, if you are lucky, lucky enough to get through a quarter and a third, listen to me, you, it's two armies waiting, waiting there. And you will gulp back the words that you say out loud and publicly to take our young children and introduce them into pedophilia, introduce them into pornography. You will be punished by God. And I say again, my final words today, God do not take pleasure in what I just said. But He wants you to repent and turn your back and come to Him. Fall down on your knees at the cross and cry out for salvation. With those words I'll say Amen and let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank You this morning for Your Word. Your Word is mightier than anything on this earth, Father. Because, Father, and if I talk about Your Word, I talk about Jesus Christ, I talk about You and, this, and, and the Holy Spirit. We come to you and we thank you, Lord, that we have this opportunity to hear your word, to stand under your word. Father, I pray every, for everybody who listened now and for those who might listen on, on the audio cast and the videos, Father, I pray for your hearts, Lord, that if you convicted us this morning, Lord, that through your spirit, Lord, you give us guidance. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.